Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's always a privilege and an honor to be here in the presence of God and in the presence of my brothers and sisters. Amen. Today is an awesome day, and God is going to do something huge. He's already doing something huge. not going to. It already started. And by God's grace, I really pray that everyone here taps into it and experiences the full extent of it in all its glory, in all its majesty. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start with our, <laughs> I know this isn't RG Takeover Sunday, but uh, we're going to say our, our, our confession. Uh, so if you could just rise up. <laughs> Let's stand up. Come on, you're all young. Come on now. Come on now. All right, let's put our hands on our chest. <laughs> and let's say the confession. So just say after me, this is the word of God. Ah, Come on now, say it like you mean it. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. And as I am taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. And it will surely grow deep roots and produce its fruit in me. Praise the Lord. Awesome, awesome. So today we're going to be talking about cooked. Everyone say cooked. Cooked. We're going to be talking about cooked. You know, like the way you cook food. Amen. And um, I really thank God for the women's conference yesterday because um, this sermon was preached yesterday by my mom, right? And I would recommend you go back and please listen to that sermon. Like, really listen to it. There's a lot of revelation and gems in there. And we didn't collab. I just want to put it out there. We didn't collab or anything, but... Wow, like I know I'm not a woman, but I was sitting in the back and I was going crazy. I was losing my mind from all the gems I was getting out of it. Hopefully the woman got uh, just as much from it as I did. Praise the Lord. You did, right? It was awesome. Wait, I heard the man say yes. What's going on here? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So everyone say after me, I am like Jesus. I am exactly like Jesus. All right, I stood here before last year and I said this phrase, you see him, you see you. Do you still believe that? You see him, him who? Jesus. And you see who? You. You're exactly like Jesus. I'm going to remind you about that. Let's go into 1 John 4:17, And it says, by living in God, love has Love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, all that he is currently, right now, as he is seated at the right hand of God, so am I in this world. All that Jesus now is, so am I, so is Onyeka Chuku Emmanuel, the first. <laughs> so is Onyeka Chuku. Many of you don't know, I'm the original Chinedu. I'm the original Chinedu Emmanuel. I'm the original CJ. My name is Chinedu. But, you know, we ain't going to talk about that, CJ. <laughs> um, all 
all that Jesus is, so am I right now. Not going to be. I already am. This is the, this is the, I need to preface by saying this because this is the premise upon which the entire sermon and upon which your successful experience of God depends on you understanding and accepting this. Amen? And the devil has only one goal in life. The devil has only one goal in life, to make you think that you need more of God, to make you think that you don't have enough, to make you think that you're insufficient as you are, when really all you need is knowledge and to accept what you know. Accept the knowledge. You need knowledge, and when you come, believe it. Accept it. That's all you need. Amen? Let's go into Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. And he puts all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, a.k.a. yourself, myself, the fullness or the almost full. Is it the almost full? No. The fullness of him who fills all in all. You already have all of God. For the love of God, never go to God and say, God, I want more of you. That is the most ignorant thing you can ask God for. You already have all of God. There is no more of God for you to get. I mean, I mean, ladies, hear me out, right? If I came to profess my love to you, right, and you needed a transplant or something or you would die, and I, I said, you know what, take, my, take that organ from me and give it to them. And in taking that organ, I die. What more can I give you? Is there anything left to give? What more can I give you? I've given you everything. God gave you everything. He did not even spare his own son. What is it you think he's holding back from you? That you're crying out to God, I need more. God, I'm going through this situation because I don't have enough. I can't pass my classes because I'm not smart enough. My marriage isn't working because I'm not, my character isn't good enough or her character isn't good enough. No. One of the most blessed apostles that we read all the time was a mass murderer. Paul the Apostle. He was a terrorist. Not, 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 a, not metaphorically, literally, in the literal sense of the word terrorist. He was a terrorist. If God can use a killer, I don't know. I, there's hope for me. Amen? Sorry, I'm... I'm whoo. <laughs> Let's go to Romans 10, 6 to 10. It says, but faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, <laughs> in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? First of all, Christ is not coming back down to earth for you. <laughs> not until, you know, the other one. And don't say who would descend to the place of the dead to bring 
Christ to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is in your lips and in your heart. And that message is, very, is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This goes beyond salvation, beyond uh, um, becoming a Christian. This right here is the key to overcoming any challenge. This right here is the key to overcoming what? Any challenge. God gave you the key. Don't look for help. Don't look for, oh God, oh God, oh God, I just need more of your spirit. No. Openly declare that you have enough. Openly declare that you carry the fullness of God. (laughs) What is this challenge that I'm facing that can stand the fullness of Christ that I carry, that I am? Explain to me. Explain to me how you can meet me and not crumble under the overwhelming force that is Jesus that I carry. We'll get more into the hay. <laughs> Let's go to uh, 2 Peter 1.3. says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to cry and beg for it. By begging God and saying, God, please, I need more. Right? By knowing him, the one who called us himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So read on me this, child of God. Please explain this to me. If you carry the fullness of God, what more do you need? Is there something you need that God isn't already included in the fullness of him? What more do you need? The problem is not that you don't have. The problem is that you don't know. This is what was taught here yesterday. Am I lying? The ladies who who came here yesterday, right? Isn't that what was taught? Yesterday. I was sitting there. I was like, I I, I was trying to shut up because I didn't want to interrupt the woman's day. But it was, ah, my spirit was bubbling on the inside. It was bubbling. I just sat there and I was thanking God for all that I am in him. I, wanna, I wanted to lay down that foundation for what comes next. All right? I want to, today, I want everyone to understand that you have this fullness and to be able to reconcile if you're not experiencing the fullness, how to go from where you are to starting to experience it. Amen? So there's this analogy that God gave me, right? And it has to do with cooking, right? <laughs> cooked. That's why the last time I stood here and I said cooked before the, the RJ retreat, I was winking at you guys, cooked. <laughs> so here's the cooking analogy, right? God is cooking. He's making a meal. God is the chef, right? 
God is the what? Chef. The Gordon Ramsay of Gordon Ramsay's. The chef of all chefs. Master chef. Right? You go to 2 Corinthians 1.21 and it says, It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God is the one that enables you. God is the chef. He's the architect. He, he makes the recipe. He mixes the ingredients. Right? The spirit of Christ is the meal. The Holy Spirit is the meal. That is the ingredient that God deposited in you. 2 Corinthians 1.22 And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment and guarantee that guarantees everything he has promised us. So if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, lives in you. That is the meal. God is the chef. And what is the meal? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the meal. Right? And just like any meal, there are nutrients uh, sorry, I'm ignorant in this aspect, but there are pro protein, uh, vitamins, all that stuff. And in that spirit, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those are the nutrients carried in that meal. Amen? Your heart is the pot. Your heart is what? It's the pot, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs all the issues of your life. Okay, just follow me. The word of God is the flame. The word of God is what? It is the flame. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? And 29, 9a says, But if... I say I will never mention the Lord or speak in his name. His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. Okay? Now, when you cook, something interesting happens that you probably don't pay too much attention to, but it does happen nonetheless, right? You take a pot, right? You put it on the stove, you put your, your ingredient in, in there, right? At first, when you put the pot on the stove, what temperature is the pot? At first, when you, like the second you put it on the, on the stove, when you touch the pot, what temperature is the pot? Huh? It's like room temperature or even cold sometimes if you touch it on your skin, you right? But after a while of it being on the stove, what do you now need to touch the pot? You now need the knit, the knitting, right? Some people cut paper towel to now touch the pot. Because why? Because what happened? Okay, I'm no scientist. Actually, I am. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm no scientist, but it seems to me like something changed. Because how does a pot that is cold 
or room temperature suddenly become untouchable without protection. It seems to me like what? Something changed. And what changed was energy moved from the flame to where? To the pot. You can't see the energy. It's invisible to the naked eye. Maybe if you have infrared vision, like I do, wink. So energy transferred from the flame to the pot. Now suddenly, the pot begins to take on the properties of the flame. Have you ever seen metal left in something hot for so long? What color does it start to turn? Red. The pot starts to take on the what? The properties of the flame, the heat. And if you leave it long enough, it won't work on your stove. But if you go to something hot enough, it will actually start to turn red. Now, what happens to the thing that is inside the pot? What happens? It starts to transform. It starts to bubble. It starts to bubble. It starts to do what? Bubble. If it's egg, you hear the sizzling. You hear the what? If it's water, you see the bubbling. And the bubbling gets so intense. Boom, 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 boom. Right? So intense. All because you took a pot and you put it on what? On a flame. This is what the word of God does to your heart. If you dwell on the word, it's like taking a pot and putting it on a flame. Your heart begins to take on the properties of the word. And your spirit, although your spirit is 100% like God, it begins to bubble. I don't know if you've ever heard the word of God and your spirit began to bubble. You are just like, whoo, man, man. Your spirit began to bubble, began to break dance. What's happening? Energy is being transferred from the word to the part, to your heart. And your spirit loves that energy. That energy makes your spirit dance. We're not done. We're not done. When you hear the word of God, you're like a chef who takes a pot, puts it on the flame, and removes it. If all you do is hear the word of God. How many of you here cook? Right? You want to cook soup for your, for your husband or your husband's wife. No, husbands be cooking, Joe. All this nonsense. Husbands want to cook soup for their wife. Like, honey, don't worry, don't worry. I got you. I got you. For the next one month, I'll do all the cooking. <laughs> Okay, one day, one day, one day. Okay, for breakfast, I'll do the cooking. Hi, even one day, we cannot give them that. What's wrong with you, man? You say, you take the pot, right? Ladies, how, what would be your reaction if you see your husband cooking? He takes the pot, puts the water in it, puts it on the stove, one second, and removes it. <laughs> what will you tell him? <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? He say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> You, but but if, if your wife says that, you say, now enter my rest. Let me do it. Let me do it for you because you're clearly doing nonsense. You don't cook and just put it one, two, two, one minute and remove it. <laughs> Let's not get picky. <laughs> In general, there's a length time 
involved. Amen? When you hear the word, all you've done is put the, you've put the pot in the flame. That's all you've done. You need to meditate on the word. Meditating on the word is leaving the pot in the flame. This is where a lot of Christians miss it. You're never going to experience God off of just hearing. You're never, ever, ever going to experience God off of just hearing. For you to experience the energy transfer, the pot has to remain on the flame long enough for that to happen. Let's read Proverbs 4.21. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Now, I told you that your spirit, when you cook, the food begins to bubble, right? It begins to sizzle. If it's soup, it begins to bubble, right? Now, you can't see the heat as it's going into the, into the pot and as it's going from the pot to the food, but you can see signs of change, right? Right? You see steam. The pot is hot. You start to hear noises that were not there before. Those are all signs. The evidence that the word is transferring energy to you is faith. Amen? The evidence that the word is transferring energy to your heart is what? Faith. The, the transfer of energy to your heart, you can't see it. You can't even perceive it. But you can look for the signs, the evidence of it. Faith. If you read Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. If you go to uh, Proverbs 4.22 to 23. It says, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of life. The energy that is transferred to the pot is revelation. Amen? The energy transferred is revelation. And the sign that that energy is being transferred is what? Faith. Revelation is the heat. It is the heat being transferred. Your heart begins to get revelation of God. Revelation of Jesus. And because when you see him, you see you, you see you, in getting revelation of Jesus, who do you start to understand better? Yourself. Now faith begins to become more evident. Your spirit is bubbling because revelation, your heart is taking on the properties of the word. The word is the perfect revelation of God. That is the property your heart takes on your heart begins to take on the property of knowing God. 
A heart that once didn't know God begins to know God. And faith begins to rise. Begins to become more easily seen. And your spirit begins to bubble. I want to show you a video of, uh, let's, let's watch the video of uh, water boiling. So, you see the water, right? You put water in a pot. At first, it looks like nothing is happening. This is like when you hear the word of God, you know, weeks go by, months go by. It feels like it's not working. Like nothing is happening. Oh God, I've been in this situation. It feels like God is not doing anything. No, stay in the flame. There is something happening that you cannot see. Your heart is coming to know God more and more and more. And faith begins to become more evident. Begins to become more evident. Begins to become more evident. Suddenly they tell you you have cancer. You say, no, I don't in the name of Jesus. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Suddenly you face a class that is difficult. You say, no, do you understand that my spirit knows all things? Suddenly you're able to study for eight hours and not even feel it. The things that used to be a challenge, your spirit begins to bubble. The noise of your spirit overwhelms every other noise. The noise of your spirit overwhelms every other noise. A little bit later on, we'll do another example. Have you ever been in a house where they are cooking good soup? Are you, able to, are you able to focus? Are you able to focus on your academics? Or your, no. How many of you have eaten just because you smell food? Like you weren't even hungry. It's just somebody just started cooking. And even if you didn't eat, confess, you at least walked to the kitchen. Confess. Even if you didn't eat, you at least walked to the kitchen. I know me as a habitual fridge opener. I open the fridge. I don't want anything. I just open it. And then I just close it. But I only do it when I start to smell food. Once the spirit is boiling, the noise, the faith, it drowns out all of that noise. All of that voice is shut up. They shut up not because they are not talking. They shut up because this noise is so overwhelming that it's like nothing. It's like me talking like this. When somebody else is talking like this. Stay in the flame. If you're going through a challenge, stay in the flame. Stay in the flame. Don't remove your heart from the flame. Meditate on the word. Dwell in the word. Stay in the what? Flame. The property of the word. The word is a perfect revelation of God. Your heart begins to take on that property of knowing God. And as, as it takes on that property, faith becomes more evidence. For those of you that be, oh my God, how do you walk in faith? That's how you walk in faith. Stay in the flame long enough. For faith to become evident. Praise the Lord. So, how do you know God? Uh, let let uh, my friends, uh, let's get the, the frozen food from downstairs. I have, a, I have a few helpers downstairs that are going to help me with a, a demonstration. So, uh, let's get the frozen food and bring it up here. And while they're doing that, right, I'll just... Uh, I'll just say this, right? If you want to experience the full extent of God, you need patience. You need what? Patience. I'm telling you, my parents are here. Please, though, 
say if I'm lying. Mommy, are you listening? Are you typing? Please say if I'm lying. The only time I used to argue with her all the time about hearing God, all the time, ask her. I'll go to her, how do you know you heard God? How do you know? I'll be challenging every sermon that is preached here. My dad will preach, I'll go and challenge it. I'll be, I'll be, how do you know? Every time you people are preaching, God told me, God told me, how do you know? While I'm talking, I'm just, I'm buying time for the people downstairs to please bring the frozen food. <laughs> While I'm talking, let them bring it. But I'll go and be arguing. How do you know you heard God? Is it a feeling? Is it, does God talk in the third person? Okay, okay, here, okay, okay, here, okay, okay, okay. Sweetie, here, here, come here, come here. Come to the front. Come to the front. Thank you. That's, I have uh, my helpers. So I'll go and be arguing with her. This was back in like 2016, 2015. But now, yesterday I was, I was crying at how easily I hear God. God took me from point A to point B over the span of like four years. Not to mention all the years before that they were investing the world and it didn't look like it was producing anything. It takes years. Sometimes it can take over a decade. All of you that have children, your children don't look Christian. Or they are doing, calm down. Because you're seeing us now. Do you know all the rubbish that man, Anu, stand up, confess? Do you know, if, you, if I tell you all the stories about Anu that I know that he has said, all the nonsense he was doing in college, it's because you're seeing us now. You weren't there when, you, when patience was needed with us. Calm down. The word is working. Calm down. Okay, so, okay. So, I have a demonstration. Okay, walk, just walk through the aisle. Just walk through the aisle, my dear. So, okay, house food, right? I'm just going to have, a, just walk around, just walk around. I want you guys to try your best to perceive something. Just try to perceive. Just try, it's, it's food, it's food. It's my lunch. It's my lunch, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm using my lunch to demonstrate an example. So, okay, okay. You know, yeah, walk, yeah, walk, walk. Good job, awesome. Let's, let's give her a round of applause, awesome. That's okay, in the flesh. Okay, go down this aisle. Go down this aisle so that they can, they can try to perceive. Let's give everyone a fair shot. No, 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 perceive, just, don't look, don't look. Look at me, look at me, just perceive. Just perceive, perceive. Okay, okay, thank you so much. You can take it back downstairs, thank you. Thank you, right? Okay, now let's, ho- let's have the hot food. Let's bring the hot food. You don't have to look. Don't look. Just look at me. Look at me. Okay, walk. 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 Just walk. Walk down the aisle. Walk down the middle. <laughs> You see, that's why, that's why everybody could come and sit down in the center so that walk down that aisle too. <laughs> okay. Because I'm far away. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's give her a round of applause. Right? So now, <laughs> I don't know how hot that food was, but which of the two could you perceive better? Huh? Which of the two? How many of you are looking? I, I told you to look at me. You didn't need to look at it, just perceive. Which one of the two could you perceive better? The second one. 
you ask yourself, why is it that, how, how, how do I come to the point where the things I read about myself in the Bible, the things I read about Jesus become more evident? That's how. It becomes more perceptible. Just cook, my friend. Cook more. You're undercooked. You're what? You're undercooked. Cook more. The word does it all. The word does it what? Oh, God is the chef. The word does it all. The spirit of Christ God put in you does it all. All you do is rest. Just cook. If you're not, if, if, if you're feeling like, well, oh, I have I'm anger. <laughs> anger is always controlling me. <laughs> Calm down, man. Am I not a hothead? Ask my parents, ask anyone, am I not a hothead? I'm a very hothead. Because you see me here preaching and smiling. Come and deal with me in my personal life. I don't take nonsense. Do you, do you know how many times I've gone to God and cried? God, why can't I be like Anu? I just be loving in my speech and this thing. Do you know how many times God has told me you're undercooked? Just keep cooking. Sometimes you have to just calm down and just keep getting cooked. The more you cook, like the more you cook food, the more easy it is to smell it. The more easy it is to do what? Smell it. The first food was frozen. I froze it downstairs. That's why you couldn't really perceive it. The second one, I had them heat it up in the microwave. So you could perceive it. I don't have it. <laughs> so you could perceive it. When food is frozen, it's not easily perceptible. When your heart is frozen, and I'm telling you, your heart is in a default state of frozen. It's the word of God that provides everything good in your heart. It is the spirit of Christ that gives everything good in your heart. There's nothing good in the heart of man by default. It is a frozen wasteland. So when you remove the word, it defaults back to that frozen state. The word is what keeps it warm. And as you cook food, you start to smell it better and better to the point where even when you're on the... Sometimes I'll be walking outside the house and I, can, I know some stew is being cooked. Sometimes I've gone to school when I was in college and my clothes were, I was trying to sit away from people because for some reason, somebody has the urge to cook at 4 a.m. <laughs> Love you, ma. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you're struggling to perceive what God is doing in your life, you're just undercooked. Cook more. Like when I was arguing with her, how do you know God? How do you? Just the more I cooked, if I tell you the journey, it started with young adult ministry, Sunday school teacher. I sat on that bro, Pastor Chris uh, Sunday school class. That time I used to ask myself, why is it that they never put me with the youths in Sunday school? They always go and put me in, um, in a pastor, pastor. I didn't know God put me there to be cooked. Pastor Chris was cooking me, cooking me, cooking me, cooking me. Now you see me, I'm more cooked than I was then. And now everybody's like, oh, Yika, that boy. Oh, I wish my daughter would marry him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we can arrange that, by the way. Just... <laughs> I'm taking applications. We can arrange that. Don't worry. <laughs> You know, and there are a lot of areas in my life that are still cooking. 
You just can't see it from this stage. Come and live with me, you will see it. <laughs> there are areas in my life that are, being, that are being cooked. If you marry me right now, you will see it. And I will just tell you, honey, I'm being cooked. So are you. Don't be trying to act like you're cooked. <laughs> so are you. You're being cooked. Sometimes, sometimes you feel undercooked to me. Praise the Lord. Calm down, man. Calm down. Let us look. Let us uh, read uh, Luke 24. We're going to do a story time. Children, praise the Lord. Let's, let's try to bring these kids along into the sermon. Um, Luke 24. So it's just a little story. So from verse 1, but very early Sunday morning, the woman, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, right? Verse 3, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Verse 5. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Verse 7. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Verse 8. Then they remembered that he had said this. They remembered, they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back to the tomb, from the tomb, sorry, to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Let's pause right there. Look at those handsome men, very handsome men. So there are a few things I want you to pay attention to before we complete this story, right? So these women went to the tomb. They didn't see Jesus, but they saw a couple of angels, and the angels asked them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? But I want you to notice what the angels said to them. Remember... Remember what he told you. And then they remembered that he said he was going to be betrayed and crucified. And then suddenly they were happy and they rushed back to tell the good news. But before they got to that state where they were no longer puzzled and confused in life, they had to do what first? Remember. Okay, just keep that in mind. This is going somewhere, I promise you. Sometimes it sounds like I'm not going anywhere, but it's going somewhere. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go to verse 13. Just follow along, enjoy the nice visuals, listen. So verse 13, the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, and Seven miles from Jerusalem. See how they just be casually walking seven miles. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things. This is verse 15 now. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Verse 16, 
But God, but God, but God kept them from recognizing him. Verse 17, he asked, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness. They were sad. The other ones were confused. These ones are sad. Written across their faces. Then one of them said, Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked, verse 19. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Verse 20, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Verse 22. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing, amazing report. They said his body was missing. This is verse 23. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Verse 24. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, listen to Jesus' response, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Verse 27, then Jesus took them. Then Jesus took them. Then Jesus took, cooked them. Then Jesus cooked them. Then Jesus took them. Through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 29, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him. This is verse 29. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Verse 32, they say to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way Back to Jerusalem. Wow, these people like long-distance walking. Didn't they have cars back then? What's wrong with them? There they found 11 disciples and the others and said, as they were gathered there, verse 34, and, um, sorry, they found 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said the Lord has finally risen. He appeared to Peter. There are a few things to take away from this story. Right? First of all, let's, 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 let's go back. Let's, let's break it down. Right? Let's break it down. Let's hack it. So, starting with the two women. Not, I don't know how many women, Sha. The women. They went to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. They were puzzled. Saw two angels. The angels said, 
hey, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then the angels told them, remember what he told you about how he was going to be betrayed. And they remembered what Jesus had said. And suddenly they were happy and they went back to give the good news that Jesus is alive. Right? So there are two things I'm going to point out. Number one. Right? Actually, before I point it out, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just recap the second one. The second one, the men, two men were going to Emmaus. Emmaus. Trust me, when I studied this thing, it was, uh, I kept skipping that word. Emmaus, right? E, e. They were going to E, CDE, right? And then suddenly Jesus was with them. And then Jesus was like, yo, what you all talking about? Say, oh, man, this guy called Jesus this happened to him, they crucified him, oh, we thought he was going to be the next LeBron James, but he didn't turn out to be. And then Jesus said, you foolish people, why won't you just believe the scriptures? It was clearly said in the scriptures that this would happen. And then Jesus proceeded to cook them. Jesus proceeded to explain the word of God concerning himself to them. And then at some point, their eyes opened and they said, man, our hearts were burning as he spoke to us. They were feeling the energy, right? So there are two things I want to point out. Number one is that it's very interesting that with the two women, and this also happens in John, John, John 4, I believe it's John chapter 4. It also happened where uh, Mary, I believe it was, went to the tomb, please anyone can correct me, went to the tomb and then saw Jesus and thought Jesus was the gardener. And then, and then Jesus, when Jesus now called her name, Mary, she tried to hold him and Jesus said, don't hold me. For having ascended to the Father. But the point I want to bring out from both John 4 and this one is they didn't recognize Jesus. How is that possible? I would like to think that if I died and resurrected, my parents would be able to know me. How is that possible? They didn't recognize who? Jesus. Does anyone else find that weird? Your own mother didn't even recognize you. Mary didn't recognize him. The two women, um, well, they didn't see him. But the two men didn't recognize him. And even when he appeared to the disciples, Thomas even found it hard to believe that it was him. Do I need to show you the hands if you're clearly seeing me and I look like me? This is what I want to point out. After Jesus resurrected, God blocked the ability because the Bible said it was God that stopped them from recognizing him. God made it such that you can never know Jesus after the flesh again. You can never what? You can never know Jesus after the flesh again. You can only know him through the word. God was the one that made it that way. He blocked it. He took away the ability to know Jesus after the flesh. You can never know him after the flesh. That's why Jesus said, look, even if prophets appear and raise from the dead, you still won't believe. The only way you can know Jesus is through his word. That's the way God said it. They saw Jesus and they couldn't recognize him. The only way they each recognized him was through a word. Jesus said, Mary, don't cling to me. She recognized 
it was Jesus. The angel said, remember what he told you. As soon as they remember what Jesus told you, they, 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 be, they understood that Jesus had resurrected. The two men, it, was, it wasn't until after Jesus began to teach them the scriptures that they now, their eyes opened. And they recognized him. You can't know Jesus from your carnal senses. That era is over with. You can only know Jesus through the word. And I'm saying this to say that, ladies and gentlemen, if, if I was invisible and you couldn't, you couldn't hear me per se with your ears, if you couldn't perceive me with your carnal senses, like I just vanished as I was preaching, became a ghost. You couldn't hear me. You couldn't see me. You couldn't touch me, right? How would you know what I'm doing? If I came to your house and opened your fridge, how would you know it was me? <laughs> you can't. You cannot know. You can't know what someone is doing who you cannot even perceive that they are there. Now, if I told you and I said, yo, by the way, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to ravage your fridge. <laughs> and you suddenly came home and your fridge was open. Then you know, oh, Yeka was here. I'll probably write on your fridge, Onyeka was here. The point I'm saying, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you cannot perceive God through your, through your carnal senses. And you cannot perceive what God is doing through your carnal senses. You can't. You can only perceive what God is doing when you're cooked through the word. God can be working in your life and it looks like he's not working. I've said it here before. Look at, look at how Jesus died. Did it, look, did it look to the eyes like God was, was actually winning that battle? Did it look like God was at work? Look at how sad they were. We thought he was the Messiah, the one that would rescue Israel. You could be going through something and God is working. And you just don't perceive it. Because you're looking carnally. You're trying to perceive what God is doing with your carnal senses when you really should be going back to the flame and getting cooked. Go back to the flame and get what? Cooked. As you go to the flame, as you go through the word, and as revelation comes in, the more you know God, the easier it becomes to perceive when God is at work. You understand what I'm saying? the easier it becomes to perceive when God is at work. I said this to the youth. So you come, there's some social movement, political movement. You hear it and you're like, this isn't God. Other people hear it and like, oh my God, it's such a good cause. But you hear it one time and you're like, this isn't God. The spirit of God isn't, isn't behind this. It becomes easier to perceive when God is behind something and when God isn't. You have to be cooked. Praise the Lord. You have to be cooked. Praise the Lord. Sorry, my mind just went blank. <laughs> you have to be cooked. My mind really just went blank. When you allow the word of God, your heart to sit on the word of God, your heart takes on the properties of the word. What is the property of the word? The word is a revelation of Jesus. 
That is the property of the word. That is really all the word is. It is a picture of Jesus. It is a revelation of Jesus. So your heart begins to take on that property. Your heart begins to look more like Jesus. And then your spirit begins to bubble. Now, the smell of your spirit becomes more evident. Now, when people are around you, they can smell love. They can smell joy. They can see peace. And then you ask the only thing you can ask when you smell something good. Something smells good. What is that? Then that is your opportunity to say, it's Jesus. But if when they come around you, all they smell is defeat. When they come around you, all they smell is their selves. The same, the same things they have. Everything they say, you agree with. Everything they like, you like. Every, there is really nothing, nothing to ask about. A child of God, it's a knowledge problem. It has nothing to do with God. Has nothing. God has done everything he is ever going to do for you by giving you the fullness of him, the fullness of Christ. The question is, are you going to embrace this God life or are you going to keep passing on the responsibility to God and blaming God and saying, oh, God, is because I don't have enough of you. If you give me more of your power, if I, if I had more of you, no. Are you just going to say, yo, I'm undercooked. I need to go and cook because there is no reason why I carry the fullness of Christ and I'm being defeated by class. I'm being defeated in my school. I'm being defeated in my relationship. I'm being defeated in my marriage. I'm being defeated in my relationship with my parents. I'm being defeated left, right, and center. The theme of my life is defeat. You might as well make a national anthem about defeat. Like, that should not be. That ought not to be. I said at the youth retreat, there is no such thing as a beta Christian. If you're a child of God, you're alpha. Show me a beta king. I defy you to show me one. A king who was beta. The very nature of a king makes you alpha. You rule. You reign. You do what? So when you face a challenge, go and get cooked. Go and do what? Get cooked. And when you're not facing a challenge, you still go and get cooked. Remain in the flame. Let faith become evident. As faith becomes evident, people begin to perceive the spirit of Christ in you easily. The same way it's easy for me to walk by a house. I know somebody's cooking soup. That's the way you walk by a Christian. You walk with a Christian. You relate with a Christian. You know this person has the spirit of God. John 4, 23 to 24. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit. And he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The era of worshiping Jesus carnally is over. This is the era where you must worship him in spirit through a revelation of him and in truth. Get cooked, child of God. You already have all of God. You already have everything you need. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.